Well, good morning. Good morning. You're laughing already. I don't know what I've done. I'm not going to pick on her this week. We understand each other now. We're good. But no, um, thank you for joining with us here in person and for those of you watching online. Um, we've come to October. October. It's, you know, we're. I saw so many posts yesterday, they were, or the other, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, a while ago, I guess, because we're the 3rd of October right now, aren't we? And this was posted on September the 30th, and it said, fall is in the air. No, you are in fall now, you've been in fall for nine days. Fall is not in the air, fall is upon you, whether you wanted it or not. But we've made it to October, and I have to be honest here, October is actually my favorite month. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, October is your favorite month, Pastor, because you can hunt. Actually, when I was a kid, before I could hunt, October was still my favorite time of year. I like the fact that in October, that's when everybody makes pie. <laughs> no joke, that is one of the biggest things I love about October. You can walk through an area and people are making pie. It, it's great. People say Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. No. October, everybody's starting to make pies, and you've got apple cider, and, and the leaves, you can make a big pile of leaves, and you can jump in it, and there's scarecrows. I don't know why, but ever since I was a kid, I thought scarecrows were cool. It may have something to do with the fact that growing up, um, Disney had on Family Channel, I don't remember if you guys, do you guys know what I mean by when I say Family Channel? Mm -hmm. yeah. Now I'm going to say something that maybe this is a Mandela effect, maybe I'm the only one who knows this. Does anybody remember Disney Channel doing the thing called the Scarecrow? You do? Oh, that's great, I'm not crazy. <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a show that would come on called The Scarecrow. It was about a reverend known as Reverend Dr. Sin. Great name for a pastor. And he was fighting against the British government by disguising himself as a scarecrow. And I thought that was like the greatest idea ever for a superhero. Because at one point they're chasing him and he literally just goes like this in the field. And they run right by him. I was like, I, 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 this is amazing. No, it wasn't. They did two epi They did three episodes, aired two, and the third episode never got aired because they lost it. Okay. Somebody stole it. I don't know why I know all this. Uh, they have it on, they have, you can find it on YouTube, and it's like an hour and 45 minutes long, and I watch it every October because it's amazing. It's one of my favorite memories of sitting down with my dad and watching this old movie that terrified other people, but it was great. But October is also the month of transition. Did you know that? In many cultures around the world, it is the month of transition. October the 1st is generally when people say, okay, fall has finally come. Or midway through October, they say, now we're into fall because the leaves are changing and you see pumpkins everywhere and, and all of that. But it's also the time of kind of looking back at where you've come from over the summer and where you want to be going into winter. It's also the time when a lot of people say, um, just trying to figure out how to go back and look at my notes here for a second. It's also the time where people start getting a little more fidgety. I don't know if you guys ever noticed that. Come October, that's when people tend to be a little more superstitious. <laughs> it's the funniest thing to watch. Because you'll see these people are never superstitious throughout the year, and then all of a sudden it gets to this, and there they are. 
And you know, it's a time of year for me. I've, I've always loved it. Last year, if you remember, we talked about the idea of spiritual warfare. I mean, this means war. Do you guys remember that? It's been laid on my heart to carry that over because, you know, something wicked, a world apart from God, you might look at that and say, okay, Pastor, that's a little dark for a, a, a sermon title card. But you see, the devil loves to play a game of smoke and mirrors. The devil loves to play this game of smoke and mirrors. And he loves to mess with you to try to divide you away from God. October is that time of transition where we love to look back. And the devil loves to take your past mistakes. And he loves to rub your nose in them, doesn't he? He loves to try to tear you down. It's this idea of, well, if I can make them feel broken or divided or lost, I can control them. It's how he loves to act. So how do we deal with it? How do we deal with this something wicked? In fact, as Christians and as people in general, we love to take the past sins of people and we love to hold them against them and nail them to the wall with it, don't we? It's terrifying. You do one mistake, you could do a thousand good deeds, you do one thing that somebody doesn't like and you will never, ever live that down. I've said before, one of the lines I hate when people say is, you know if you were smart. Don't ever use that line. When you say something, you know if you were smart, you'd do this. Why are you insulting that person's intelligence? Tearing them down. If they're sitting there trying to pour gasoline into a car or into a boat with a lit cigarette in their mouth, yes, you can point out. Now, if you were smart, you would know that this is a very bad idea. Please don't do that. Cigarettes, fumes, boom. It will be an uplifting experience for them, but they will never repeat it. So how do we deal with, though, this moment of something wicked? How do we look at the idea of, well, your mistakes are not ammunition to use against you? You are not the sum of your mistakes. Well, the best way to do it is to dive into it. If you have your Bibles with you, I ask that you would please turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. The book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. And just for a moment, while you're looking for that, you may notice on the title card, smoke. If you look a little deeper, you may notice there's an image in there. Chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. There's a skull. Because when we fall into the trap of the devil's smoke and mirrors, we find ourselves lost, and we find ourselves going down a path that takes us away from eternal life. Reads, leads to nothing but sorrow and death. 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. This is a truth-worthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners then others will realize they, that they, too, can believe in him and receive eternal life. You may remember last year, come September, 
we did a series called Mistakes Were Made. And it was the act of forgiveness. Learning how to forgive people. This is going to have some undertones in this one sermon that line up with that, but it's not a repeat of that. If you remember, we looked at the whole idea of forgiveness. You have to forgive others. You have to be willing to accept forgiveness, which is next to impossible. How many people have been in a situation where somebody wants to forgive them, but at the same time, they have not wanting, they are not wanting to forgive themselves. Have you ever been in that situation where the person has forgiven you, but you do not accept that they have forgiven you? It is a weird trap to be in, and it makes you run around in circles. It's like watching a hamster on a wheel. It just keeps going around and around and around and around and around and around, and, around, and you get nowhere. And when you stop, you're still right where you started. So don't do it. But this is not the same thing as mistakes were made. This is looking at how the devil loves to use your mistakes and your past against you, but you are not your mistakes. Did you know that? You are not your mistakes. You are all looking so chipper and happy right now. You're all got this very, where are you going with this? <laughs> what do you mean? You are not your mistakes. And it's the honest truth. I've said this before, but I need you to understand it. You are not the sum of what happened to you. You are how you choose to react to it. Something that I've said before, and some of you may remember it. I'm a fan, actually, of William Shakespeare. I actually enjoy Shakespearean plays, Shakespearean poetry. I actually enjoy that. Seems weird. Somebody like myself, my favorite play is Macbeth. Macbeth is one of the shortest plays, and it's one of the most violent and bloody plays that Shakespeare has ever written. It's one of the darkest. It's not the darkest, but it's one of them. And there's a line in it. And it's often quoted around Halloween. Sometimes you'll see it on mugs. Sometimes you'll see it on signs. It says, by the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. No, it is not talking about somebody jabbed their thumb with a pin, and now they know something. It's a moment when one of the witches is actually mentioning that Macbeth, the main character and villain of the play, is coming towards them. By the tingling of their thumbs, they know something wicked is coming. Macbeth is a wicked man because of his character and his past actions, because of his ambitions, how he chooses to react to things in the past that have happened to him. Not because of what has happened, but because of the choices he chooses to make moving forward. If you get a chance to read the play or see the play, he goes on to be the villain. He goes on to take part in the murder of the king. He goes on to become king. And he ends up dying because he thinks he cannot be defeated. And he says, I live a charmed life, for no man born of woman can kill me. And he's told, well, let me tell you this, well, from my mother's womb I was untimely ripped. And he's struck down. Your actions in the past, the mistakes that have happened to you, the incidents that have occurred to you, are not what defines you. Your choice in how you react to them. And that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow. It's sometimes a hard thing to understand. And I've had people say, you have no idea what I went through and what's happened to me. That does define who I am. I don't care. It doesn't. I've been in a situation where I've had almost the exact same situation happen to me. And I am completely different than the other individual that had it happen to them. 
I talked to somebody who, they were 11 years old, they lost their brother to cancer. That person ended up going down a path where they ended up in jail a fair bit. They never turned their life around. I've done some stupid things in the past. Done some things I'm very much not proud of. Somehow I'm a pastor. We had the same tragedy happen. But something changed along the way. I've met people who went to school and were told you will never amount to anything. You will never graduate junior high. You will never graduate high school. You will never go on to college. You will never make anything of yourself. You will never learn anything. And they gave up on the spot. I remember graduating high school and going back to that teacher and taking the paper and slamming it down on the table and going, I passed. You're an idiot. And walked in. I did it out of spite. It drove me further. Told me I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm never going to amount to anything in my life. Now I want to prove you wrong. Not necessarily the greatest reasons behind something. I was told I'd never be good at language. I can speak enough French to get myself in trouble, not enough to get myself in. I can speak Gaelic, which really confuses people. It doesn't define me what I was said. What defines me is the actions I took along the way. See, when we go through our lives, the devil is going to love to take the moments in your past and he's going to love to throw them back at you like, hey, remember when you did this? This is how people see you now. It's not always true. Hey, remember when you did this? This is how you should view yourself. Sometimes we're going to run into people who are going to look back at you. Hey, I remember when we were in school and you did X, Y, and Z. Z for Americans watching this. Um, I remember when you did this. It doesn't define who you were. Have you ever encountered somebody from your past who remembers you as completely different than you are today? You are all so very... Very somber, very direct this morning. Some of you are very stone-faced. But you're not who you were back then when you knew them, were you? Some areas of your life may be exactly the same, but they start bringing up some of the things you did, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I, I, I did that. Yeah, okay. But you're not that person anymore. Things change over time. You are not the product of what you've been through. You are the product of what you choose to do. I want you to think about that. See, it's unavoidable that we're all going to make mistakes. Every single person that's ever lived, every single person that is alive today, every single person that is to come, has made a mistake with the exception of one. That's Jesus. Everybody else, congratulations. You've made mistakes. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself in the views right now or watching this at home, ah, I don't make mistakes. Congratulations. You just lied. You lied to yourself. You lied to everybody else. You've made a mistake. Join the club. We'll make t-shirts. But everybody makes mistakes. We make big mistakes. We make small mistakes. We do foolish things that we can fix just like that. We make mistakes that take a long time to fix. 
We make costly mistakes. That end us making, you know, financial cost or a greater cost. But we're all going to make mistakes. But does that mean that we're without God? That they should divide us from God? You've probably heard the old chestnut where somebody turns around and says, you have no idea of my past. There's no way God can forgive me. There's no way God can accept me. There's no way God wants somebody like me. David. Japheth. <clears throat> Judas. Saul. Gideon. Cain. Did God not want them? God did. Saul, you better know you know him better as Paul. In fact, he's the one writing this letter. And isn't it interesting that he makes this claim? One second, I'm just going to find it. I looked at the wrong verse. I almost read verse 18. That would have been bad. Really confused myself. This is a, a trustworthy saying. This is a trustworthy saying. Okay? And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Do you believe that? Amen. There we go. What's the next part say? And I am the worst of them all. This is how Saul viewed himself. Or should I say Paul? Because what did Saul do when, before he was Paul? He hunted down God's people. In fact, when Saul meets God on the road to Damascus, or meets Christ on the road to Damascus in the blinding light, and the two men that are around him hear the voice booming from heaven, but see no one. Put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. You're riding along with this guy, and all of a sudden you hear from heaven, Saul, why do you persecute my people? You're going to need a new pair of shorts. It says they ran away or they were struck with fear. Meanwhile, Saul is not able to see. See, he hunted down people who believed that Jesus was the Son of God. He hunted them down. He crucified them. He tortured them. He beat them. He made a public display and show of this. This sounds like a charming individual that you want to invite over for pie, doesn't it? Terrible things. But yet God takes him and uses him to the point where we're right now reading his letters, talking about the impact he's had on the theological writings of the Bible. And there are books upon books upon books. There are denominations that are focused on his teachings. There are entire fields of scholarly study based on this individual's premise of who Christ is. You want to try to use the chestnut again that you have no idea what I've done, God can't use me? Hate to break it to you, nobody is outside of God's use. As I said, you are not the sum of your mistakes. You are the sum of the choice you choose to make in regards to them. If you want to give up, that's on you. That is 100% your call. Take that road if you want it. It's a lonely road. It's a dark road. If you want to stand up and be counted and say, no, I will not give in, as Cora pointed out, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You ever notice that? 
People say the Bible doesn't add up. Bible doesn't line up. Old Testament, New Testament, none of it lines up. Not even the New Testament lines up the New Testament. Go ahead and read through it very carefully. There's that one passage. Lean not on your own understanding. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We are capable of zero. But under God, we have the ability, it says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say that this mountain move from here to there and it will go. Under God, we have power. Under God, we have strength. Under God, you are free. Under God, your mistake cannot own you. You are not your mistakes. You are not owned by your mistakes. So why do we give them so much power over our lives? Why is it we want to step out for God? We want to do something for God. But then, in that moment, that's when the devil loves to step in and go, you know what? This is when I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to get to them. And sometimes it's a thought put in your mind. It comes out of nowhere. You know it's not your voice, but there it is. Sometimes it's an email you send to somebody else. Tearing them down. There it is. Sometimes it's the words you say about somebody to someone else. And it creeps along, going to and fro. There it is. You are not the sum of your mistakes. Your mistakes do not own you. Do not put a crown on your mistakes and kneel at their feet. Do you understand what that means? To put a crown on something and kneel at its feet? When we believe to ourselves that we are, I can't do this, look at the mistakes I've made. Okay? Step back. Be still and know that I am God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. There is so much language in the Bible that tells you you are not the sum of your fears. You are not the sum of your mistakes. You can speak and the Lord will hear. You can seek wisdom and the Lord will grant it. You are not the sum of your mistakes. The devil does not own you. Your mistakes do not own you. Something wicked this way comes. Yeah, something this way, wicked this way comes. It's kind of like watching a coyote run across the road with a semi coming. <laughs> the devil's going to try. Go ahead and pray. The prayer is the semi. He's going to be... Well, that took care of that. You might say, that's an awful analogy, Pastor, but it got in your mind, didn't it? The power of prayer. It's kind of like the news reporter who's trying to talk about the weather and all of a sudden the stop sign takes them out. You ever see that one? <laughs> You're laughing. It's terrible, but the sudden and immediate impact of prayer. You are not the sum of your mistakes. You are not beholden to what has happened to you, only the choices you choose to make afterwards. People are going to take it and try to judge you by it. Doesn't matter. What does God say you are? You say, well, you don't understand how hard it is, Pastor, when people say these things, but I have ADHD. As much as I don't care what people think about me, the words people use against me or on me, that cuts deep. I am fully aware of the extended feeling that makes. God's opinion of me means more than any of your opinion of me. 
don't take that as an offense. My wife's opinion of me takes more power over your guys' opinion of me. She picked me. She's stuck with me. I've got tenure. She can't fire me. Something wicked this way comes. The devil's going to want to take you apart and put you in a world where he believes you are divided from God. He does not actually have the power to do that. It's all smoke and mirrors. But he can ask you and trick you into walking away. You can get lost very easy in a fog. Militaries around the world rely on a tactic called smoke grenades. Throwing smoke. You can't see where someone's going. This is a trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. In which I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me. So that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will receive that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Verse 17, all glory or all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Amen. You will never be the sum of your mistakes. Don't crown them. Don't make them power over you. And don't kneel at their throne. <laughs> Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time. And God, we embrace the fact that you, O oh Lord, are not one to let us feel alone. The storms may come, the devil may raise his head. People may say horrible things, they may do horrible things. The world may attack us because of what has happened in the past by others in, in your name or claiming your name or, or God. Whatever reasons people want to use or the world wants to use or we want to use on ourselves, whatever we want to say, because we are just as much at fault on how we feel about ourselves or how we view ourselves or view others as the world is, if not more. But God, you have never failed us, you have never abandoned us, you have never forsaken us. And if you, O oh Lord, can use Paul, as he says right here in your words, he can use us. He can redeem us, he can save us, he can rejoice with us. God, you have promised us so much that we do not even yet begin to understand or know. Help us, O oh God, to seek you. To be weary that something wicked this way comes. In your name we pray. Amen. We can. I was just going to say, for those of you who are watching at home, um, if you have questions about God and you want to know more, if you want to know more about what is spiritual warfare when I use that term, uh, leave a comment. Send us a message. Um, spiritual warfare is something that a lot of us want to shy away from because it's a scary topic. For some reason, I'm drawn to it. I'm not sure that that's a healthy thing because it's a dangerous road. But if you have questions about God, if you want to know more about God or how to get in touch with people or you just need prayer, you need somebody to talk to, I'm always open for pie and coffee all day. Please just uh, drop us a line. Thank you.
we go this morning, I felt the Lord wanted to end this service uh, on a different note. Not a different note, but uh, I shouldn't say that. I don't know why I say it that way. But on a different note than what we usually do, okay? Um, Pastor Bray was speaking about how the devil comes along and tries to uh, stir us up and uh, conjuring up all the past mistakes and everything that we did. And we will always make, do things. We will always do something wrong because we still got that human flesh side of us in us. And it's only God's goodness in us that helps us do the, the, better, the better side of things. And uh, so the thing I wanted to say before we go this morning is on, on, on the same lines as Pastor Bray was speaking about how the enemy comes along and the scripture that came to mind is greater that greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. And we're going to stand this morning to sing that uh, chorus over again. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in you. Let us stand together as we sing that a couple of times this morning before we to get that down deep in our hearts. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the